0: to admit that without the clones it would not have been a victory victory
1: victory you say master obi-wan not victory the shroud of the dark side has fallen begun the clone war has <laughs>
2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Last Missions, a Friends of the Force-enjoying-talking crossover series covering the final season of Star Wars The Clone Wars on Disney+. Plus. I'm your first host, Brad. And I'm your other host, Madison. And this week on the show, we are talking about The Siege of Mandalore, Part 2, titled The Phantom Apprentice, directed by Nathaniel Villanueva and written by Dave Filoni, cowboy man himself. So... This episode was uh, quite a wild one, so we're going to be talking today, we're going to talk through the the episode chronologically, talking about the different story beats, some of the themes behind many of these, uh, what I would say is probably one of the, some of the best Star Wars moments in general, and really getting to the bottom of what the heck's going on, Madison, because you know what, I'm extremely overwhelmed, I've been in the fetal position all day since I woke (laughs) up, I'm still in it now as we're podcasting, it's quite difficult. To contort my body in this way and, and talk. I'm I'm uh I'm doing alright. Doing okay.
1: Yeah, well, doing? uh first of all, Brad, I, I guess I wrote this down wrong, but I thought the title of this episode was The Phantom Daddy.
2: Well, you know what? From a certain point of view, it could be. If you're on the daddy train like I am, and you're always searching for a new Star Wars daddy, Maul certainly <laughs> fits that criteria. I mean, Literally the guy, if, if you look at our show notes, he is sitting in the, the throne of Mandalore. Like, one leg up, one leg down. He is man-spreading the hell out of those robotic
1: legs. Manspreading. man-spreading. Hashtag robot-spreading. <laughs> Mechanical spread. He was like, you never got that Tross concept art of Kylo man-spreading on the throne, so I will give it to you. <laughs>
2: Maul's like, you have to feed the rats on schedule. <laughs> or they
1: get sick.
2: <laughs> well, folks, we're already going off on a tangent. One one and a half minutes into this episode. But we are stoked to talk about uh, Part 2, The Siege of Mandalore, which picks up literally the second that Part 1 ends. Which to Madison and I, I think we both agree, kind of indicates that they're ultimately going to edit this into a movie. That was my very first thought when this episode started. I was like, "All right, this is going to be one long film that they're going to cut together at some point because Please, it fits yes. so well, and it makes sense." There was also no opening crawl for this episode. No Tom Kane going "Revenge of the Sith," which I was hoping <laughs> he was going to say, but you know, uh, I can uh, hope in another timeline, but. Uh, nothing like that. We just jumped right into the episode, the hum of Ahsoka's lightsabers over the uh part two title card, and I was like, Oh shit, we are just going right into it, I guess. The tension right off the bat. Yeah. And Ahsoka's expression too, like right away. I just went to show like how amazing her expressions have been this season, like how detailed they are and how much they can really uncover about her thoughts, more so than any previous season. So like right away you can already tell that she feels the stress of the situation, just oh, by the yeah. body language and facial animations alone. And uh, I was there kind of with her, Madison. I was pretty stressed this entire episode. I was, my heart was racing and it was very difficult.
1: Yeah, I was noticing it, especially with Maul in this episode as well, like how much better in this season the facial animations and like the subtlety, the the micro expressions, if you want to call them that, can like better compliment the voice acting at this point like they were fitting so well with sam whitworth's performance i caught myself wondering like do the animators have kind of free reign with this just like trying to make them match up as well as possible or i wonder like if they're starting to use like footage of the actors performing in the voice in the voice booth now and like trying to match their expressions a bit better now because i could almost like see sam whitworth's performance in like mole's facial expressions like as he was talking so I thought that was really cool
2: yeah and a huge credit to Sam Witwer he he just completely in this episode solidified for me that he is the best voice actor in Star Wars hands down like he needs to be put in literally any project that he can be he needs to be put in live action immediately he needs to be involved in this franchise as much as possible because his level of acting is just beyond anything i've ever seen when it comes to voice acting it's it's i mean draw dropping
1: i've been saying this for a couple years now but crimson dawn series disney plus darth Maul, kira have sam whitworth do the voice ray park play mole it's perfection
2: everybody would love it do it (laughs) Yeah. And I when I think of like a solo, too, that's like the one thing I, I want the most of. And, and speaking of solo, we got some pretty crazy cameos this episode from a yes. character that is also a daddy. Speaking of this really was the daddy <laughs> apprentice. And Madison, when you think of the title daddy apprentice, what do you think it could relate to? Could it relate to one character, another character, many characters, Rex? There are so many. It's just a daddy filled episode. <laughs> I digress. But it really is yeah i i think that's a great idea and i just am so i feel so fortunate that we got to have these episodes it feels like a gift it feels like something quite honestly like i don't know it's like it almost i wake up in the morning and i'm like pinching myself because one i'm so exhausted right when i wake up and i'm like is this actually is this actually happening right now and (laughs) it is it's bizarre and the animation is just so amazing the soft focus of the backgrounds like the textures it just all looks so unreal that i am almost pinching myself completely like yeah like
1: minute. i know we're going to get into this scene in detail later but like the shot where the window blows out in this episode and it like almost feels like it's going into slow motion for a second with like the shards yeah. and the sparks flying and the camera like swinging around them i was just my jaw was on the floor it was stunning it almost felt like something out of Avatar The Last Airbender.
2: I don't know why yeah. I just thought of
1: that, but it,
2: I'm trying to think of like a particular moment, but I can't off the top of my head, but it kind of felt that similar vibe, like mm-hmm. Zuko versus Aang sort of moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know about you, but I, I don't know if it's just the excitement of everything, and I really try my best to tam- tamper down my, my high coming off of these episodes because I don't want to make huge grand statements about, you know, rankings or anything. Because again, the emotion can really get to you right off the bat, and you're like, that's the best thing I've ever seen. And it's very easy to get into that mindset. But I truly do think, after sitting with this episode for quite some time today and rewatching it, this might be one of my favorite episodes of the Clone Wars, like top five at least. Mm-hmm. I yeah. I think that's unfair to say.
1: I will say, like, this is the only episode of this season that I watched back to back, like, twice in a row. Um, yeah. I've been watching all of them two or three times, but I've been like spreading out those viewings, but this one was like, when I got to the end, I immediately wanted to start over and watch it again because it was just mind-blowing.:
2: And there's so many things in it that is so layered. And when you think back to that Sam Witwer interview where he said, "This arc is going to change the way we view Star Wars, I think this, I think the last episode was definitely a lot of setup, but this was actually where you start to get into that meat of okay, here's how I view Revenge of the Sith now, and also here's how I kind of view the entirety of the prequels, including the Clone Wars. Like, things are now changing in my mind, and they're starting to formulate a little better just through the eyes of Darth Maul now, and it, like, yeah. completely fleshes out Darth Maul is probably one of my favorite villains ever, honestly, like, yeah. Again, a a testament to Whitworth's performance and also just how much we've been through with this character and how much we're going to eventually go through in
1: Rebels. It's crazy. Like, just to talk about my journey with Maul that I've been having over the past couple of weeks, (laughs) I've started to call it my maul epiphany because I don't know what's happening, but I've spent, like, my entire life hating Maul. And that's no, like, diss to Maul. I always thought he was super cool thought he was an amazing to watch in the Phantom Minutes, like his fighting I was always so impressed by Ray Park but I always hated him because of like what he did he, he killed Qui-Gon he killed Satine I just had so many grudges against him because of what he was doing to so many other characters that I loved that I didn't really find my like compassion for Maul until like the past few weeks I would say and I can't even explain why it happened now I don't I don't know but I've just I've had a mall epiphany. Like I, I'm a huge fan of his now. I feel really bad for him. I do want to give some credit, though, because it's not just like what I've seen in season seven so far. But I also yesterday, we don't usually plug other podcasts on the show, but I'm plugging Sky Talkers because yep. I listened to their new episode with Katie, who's, of course, at Hot Dameron on Twitter. She's like the quintessential Maul fan, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and they did a fantastic episode like all about Maul talking about his history and everything, and it really made me feel for him even more than I was already starting to, because I haven't like engaged with all that extra Maul content. A lot of it's not canon anymore, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, Wrath of Darth Maul, like in particular, was made to fit with the Clone Wars. Like it was made back during that era. Savage is in it, and it's not technically canon anymore. But like, when you learn all that stuff about Maul's backstory and how he was raised, you can't help but feel for him and like root for him in a way. Because <sighs> Sidious, like, you just want Sidious to get taken down by someone, like anyone, because he's literally wronged like every single character in the saga. And so yeah, I. Long story short, I've started rooting for Maul to some extent. I just, I want him to just do the right thing for once. And (laughs) we know how things end with Maul, but he doesn't like break the cycle. But I just, I've become a Maul fan and I'm just really enjoying watching him in this arc so far. So there's my Maul tangent.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I love a good Maul tangent, honestly. I think it has something to to do with the fact that we are now coinciding with Revenge of the Sith. So really Maul's not the villain at this point, you know, like he is mm-hmm. not the orchestrator of everything and that was a pretty common theme throughout the episode that really Maul was just this tool and so was Ahsoka as he tells her and uh Maul's basically saying, you know, we were castaways. We both were a part of a, an order. You were a part of the Jedi, I was a part of the Sith and we were just forgotten. And together we can we can take down the true mastermind behind behind all of this and Mm -hmm. whether or not maul's intentions are good and maybe he just wants to eliminate sidious from the picture to take his own power which is what ahsoka thinks maybe maybe he doesn't really want all this power maybe he just wants to continue running his crime syndicates and not have sidious get in the way of that but it's hard for ahsoka to see past that honestly but i think that's why we're cozying up to maul so much is because we realize like there is much more at stake than this battle. Like there is something happening on Coruscant right now. That's about to change the galaxy and change the lives of millions and millions of people across the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Like, that is terrifying. And Maul's actually kind of trying to dismantle that from happening. And that yeah. was his plan all along. Like we'll talk more about what his true plans were to bringing Kenobi here. Cause we were questioning that last episode, but
1: Holy mm-hmm. crap.
2: Like he is incredibly complex.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think at this point, it's kind of like Maul is trying to do the right thing, but for the wrong reason. Like, like his motivations are selfish. He just wants to get rid of Sidious because he hates Sidious, and he's tired of Sidious controlling his life. It's not like he wants to save the galaxy and save the good guys, you know? He just wants to have control over his own life again. He wants autonomy, so that's, that's kind of like where I've come to with Maul is like, he he doesn't want power for power's sake. My personal headcanon. Don't know if that's true. I think he just is trying to amass power because he's trying to match Sidious, he, and he wants to knock Sidious off the board. I don't think it's like a personal craving for power. I think it's just him wanting uh, autonomy, and he has to amass power to have that autonomy to get rid of Sidious. So yeah. And that's, I
2: think, the reason you said it perfectly, the motivations, I think that's why they, they just ultimately don't work out in this episode is because you have selfless, selflessness, which we've seen Ahsoka now truly come to terms with and, and learn more than she ever had before as a result of the Martez sisters. She's more willing to listen, but also she's going to stand her ground and she's going to keep to her principles. And then mm-hmm. you have Maul, who's very selfish. So... Even though they have the same end goal, like you're saying, the motivations do not fit together and Mm -hmm. that's where the conflict comes into play. And that's what makes this whole dynamic in this episode so fascinating is because they want the same thing, but the means of getting there, like, is it worth partnering up with somebody when the means to an end are so, so stark contrast to what you believe in? And Mm -hmm. Madison, that's, that's where we start with this episode is the initial meeting between these two castaways. So what happens when we finally jump off of that cliffhanger from part one?
1: Yeah. So Maul's like disappointed because he's like, why are you here? I wanted Kenobi. And Kenobi. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he says, why did Kenobi send you? Which I, I have very few complaints about this episode, but I do have a couple. This was one of them. I, First of all, I wasn't sure why he thought Kenobi sent her. Like, it could have been anyone. I, that was kind of an assumption there. But uh, Ahsoka says, you know, like, why don't you ask him? And I I don't know. That exchange felt kind of weird to me because it, this whole thing was Ahsoka's idea. Like, she came with Bo-Katan, approached Obi-Wan and Anakin, and was like, we need to go help Mandalore. And they're like, ah, whatever, we can't really get involved in another war right now. So I, I don't know. I... I would have preferred it if she had said, like, he didn't send me. I I made the decision to come here. That would have been cooler to me. But anyway, I really enjoyed this first meeting between them. They do get to cross blades briefly before he runs away. But yeah, I was just so excited to see these two characters, like, finally sharing a scene together. It was exciting. One
2: of the... <laughs> the funniest things that they uh that maul said i think you and i have been joking a lot off air about the uh maul and ahsoka dynamic and uh folks just a disclaimer here on this episode uh, madison and i can say that we are floating the idea of of ahsoka and maul (laughs) brad
1: is floating the idea i dove headfirst into the deep end a few days ago (laughs) (laughs) and It's just fun, you know, like whether or not how
2: seriously we take it. It's just kind of funny. So we have just been like texting back and forth, just funny comments from what we think Maul would say to Ahsoka to try to hit on her because (laughs) it's just it's just kind of funny. And he initially starts his episode with, well, yes, I imagine we have several mutual friends. And I was like, this would definitely be Maul's pickup line on Tinder. 100%. Like if he matched with Ahsoka, he'd be like, Yes, well, I heard we have mutual several mutual friends. And she'd be like, is that what you call it? (laughs) I don't think that's what I call it. (laughs) Mutual enemies is more like it, yeah. I was like, Maul, you're off to a rocky start, man. You're off to a rocky start
1: here. (laughs) Granted, granted. He did a great job later, I gotta say. (laughs) But yeah, this is just my disclaimer for the rest of the episode. I'm going to be making a lot of Maul Soka jokes, if you want to call that the ship name. Uh, And i think a lot of people kind of misinterpret what shipping is nowadays they think you have to only ship stuff that's canon like stuff that actually happens in the story and that's that's not how shipping works never how it's operated in the history of fandom it's putting any two characters you like together because you like the idea of it not necessarily because it happens so i like right. the idea of mal and ahsoka at some point in the future if they had had a thing I know I'm hundred percent aware it never does, and I'm completely okay with that. But I think it's a fun idea, so I'm rolling with it. <laughs>
2: yeah, and sometimes you can also ship. I feel like you can ship characters too, even like non-romantically. Like you'd like them as a pairing, as some sort of meant to be together, even like a even like just a bro like TP together,
1: huh? <laughs> like a bro TP, like they're BFFs forever.
2: Yeah, like pretty much like they are kind of divine enemies. They're always going to butt heads with each other. They're always going to have run ins with each other. And that is what we see later on in Rebels. And I just find the dynamic between them so fascinating that it's like I want to pick apart every single line and understand any sort of underlying implication I can, Mm -hmm. whether there's subtleties of uh, not necessarily romantic tension, but just any sort of tension, you know, And, and I think that's the fun of it.
1: Yeah, it's it's not something as simple as like, oh, the sexual tension. like No, there's right. a lot more layers to it than that that we yeah. find interesting between their characters because they do have a lot in common, actually.
2: Yeah, which is really fascinating that this episode put that in perspective, mm-hmm. which later on kind of now builds the case of why they're so friendly towards each other in Rebels. It's like, weren't they kind of adversaries during the Clone Wars? And it's like, well... You thought, <laughs>
1: sort of, but but. Siege Mandalore
2: says otherwise. They almost aligned with each other. So Wait a crazy. minute,
1: Brad. I know what their relationship status is. Like if they were on Facebook, their oh, relationship no. status would be it's complicated. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think it's it was just such a interesting uh, start to the episode, and he starts to talk about this this plan and how there's this. This really larger force at play, and it's Darth Sidious. And Ahsoka has no idea who that is. And Mm -hmm. we, as the audience, are like, oh shit, like Maul knows about Order 66. He knows everything that's being orchestrated right from the beginning. He may not have known it in Phantom Menace, but he has now come to terms with what is going to happen. He's Mm -hmm. come to terms with who he is in this larger plan and how he doesn't actually matter. Same thing Ahsoka's going through. She doesn't necessarily matter in the larger context of the order because she was cast aside by the council. She was guilty before proven innocent. And mm-hmm. that's why she's willing to listen to him and not just go for his throat initially. He, he, she stands there and listens, you know, and that's the first step in this whole thing is like the Jedi don't normally listen. Anakin or Obi-Wan would have just went head first. I mean, think about Anakin in Attack of the Clones. Obi-Wan's no, I'm like taking him now. No. No, Anakin no. No. <laughs> you know like that's the kind <laughs> Anakin, of shit you deal with. Anakin yes. <laughs> like and Ahsoka again coming off of martez sister arc, she's compassionate. She wants to hear people out. She wants to understand other perspectives, and that's why she gives maul a chance.
1: Yeah, she does. Uh I that was something that was really fascinating to me in this episode was like kind of being let in on like how much does Maul know when did he know it I think that's kind of interesting to think about and he's talking to Jesse of all people who saw this coming he takes Jesse hostage (laughs) (laughs) and he's like interrogating him yeah like Kylo and Poe style in The Force Awakens and he starts talking about the plan because Maul I've started to realize that Maul will just talk and talk to anybody who will listen. (laughs) He's talking to this random clone, right? (laughs) He's like, the plan. Not even I was made aware of its grand design, but I played my part. And do you know what happened to me? I was cast aside. So that made me like think, how much did Maul know? Because he clearly didn't know everything, but he seems to be aware of like the clone's purpose. So that makes me wonder, like Did he know about Order 66? Because he says he didn't, he wasn't aware of its grand design. What does that mean? Because he he seems to know about Order 66. He knows what the clones have been purposed for. And I thought that was really interesting. And then, too, to throw another crazy element in here, not only does he have all this prior knowledge, but he had a vision, apparently. He had a dream. So Anakin's not the only one having crazy dreams right now. (laughs) <laughs> uh he had a dream about all of this and he hears the name skywalker i i don't know about you brad but i got chills when i heard all this
2: yeah and also too that's that information comes from from almec when ahsoka's confronting them in their jail cell <laughs> this is a great moment in the episode where <laughs> yeah almec's like hmm that name I think he talked about a name that I might recognize. And then <laughs> Ahsoka's like, help him recognize Bo. And she just like starts walking towards him, like like grabbing her fist. And he's like, oh, okay, okay. And he's like, the, the name is... And then he gets shot, like Attack of the Clone style, when Zam yeah. Russell's like, it was a bounty hunter called. And then she gets shot. But um, hearing that name and you hear the subtle theme of Darth Vader... In Minor Key, which is very much a replication of when Vader later dies in Return of the Jedi. That soft Imperial March theme that plays very slowly. It's the same exact theme that plays over
1: like well, saying
2: the name Anakin Skywalker.
1: Speaking of Return of the Jedi, this reminded me of Return of the Jedi for a different reason. It made me actually think of Yoda talking to Luke right before he dies. And his, when he says, there is another Skywalker. And then that theme plays like the... Twinkly kind of imperial march plays when Luke is like looking really sad after he says that, and I was like, "Ooh, neat parallel there."
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of parallels in this episode that we'll we'll chat more about, but it is pretty mind blowing that Maul is foreseeing the the fall of Anakin Skywalker. He could have prevented so much, and that ultimately Madison is what, why he orchestrated the siege of
1: Mandalore, because of Anakin. Yeah, like I. I was so intrigued by all of this because one of the things I've always like dreamed about over the years was like, man, I never got to see a Vader and Maul showdown. Like I had always thought about that for a long time, and I kind of got my hopes up about it when Rebel season two happened and they were both on Malachor, but alas, they their paths did not cross. And I was like, dang it! But now, like having they they haven't crossed paths yet here, but at the same time. Maul's planning and orchestrating all of this because of Anakin. And I thought that was really interesting that like as soon as Maul becomes more aware of like who Anakin Skywalker is and what his role is, he's like, forget Kenobi, I'm killing Anakin. Yeah. (laughs) I just thought that was so interesting. Yeah, and I think that again, going back to the Sam
2: Whitworth quote of how we rethink of Star Wars now, to think that Maul had orchestrated this huge assassination plot against Anakin Skywalker. Like he was going to kill Anakin. Like that was could you imagine, or at least he like, thought he was <laughs> right. But like, could you imagine like Anakin getting killed by Obi Wan, like, or by Darth Maul? Like, think about that for a second. Like, hmm. how insane would that be if Maul killed Anakin? Obi Wan would have lost the two people that mattered most to him. Would Obi Wan fall at the dark side? You never know, honestly. I mean, and also Maul killing Satine as well. Like, it'd be like the triple was... threat.
1: I was thinking of Sidious in, uh the Lawless actually from like season five of the Clone Wars when he shows up uh, when Maul takes over Mandalore and he's like, you've become a rival. That was how it felt for me with Maul in this. He's like viewing Anakin as a rival in a way because like mm-hmm. he's not Sidious as an apprentice anymore and he doesn't want to be. But at the same time, it's like you're my old master's new, like, prized pupil. so I want nothing more than to take you away from him, just like, wound him, you know, like, twist the dagger.
2: Just like Sidious took away my brother. It's almost like Maul wants that power trip now. Like, he wants mm-hmm. to be in control of everything. He wants to displace his rage from Savage's death onto another pairing that's happy together, or at least Maul thinks is happy together, even though the cracks are showing.
1: I think, like, he wants... Palpatine to feel a little bit of that helplessness that he's felt his entire life. He wants Palpatine to feel like he's losing control. He he just wants him to know what that feels like. He's like you've done this to me my entire life so I would like to return the favor. When we were thinking about why Maul orchestrated everything
2: and we were kind of questioning it, it all fits together and I really love the motivations that I was not expecting it to be about Anakin. I really wasn't. I was expecting it to just be another Obi-Wan power play and I was really pleasantly surprised by that twist.
1: Yeah, I've honestly just enjoyed so much seeing Maul turn into this incredibly three-dimensional character. He's just that guy that shows up and hardly speaks at all in The Phantom Menace and then dies. And you're like, well, shoot, he was cool, but oh well. And now he's just turned into this amazing character, one of the most interesting characters in Star Wars, I would say. And he's, (laughs) he's not just a simple, like, mustache twirling cackling bad guy like palpatine kind of is uh he just takes everything very personally and again like it's all a selfish motivation his everything's very centered around himself the way he looks at things but you can also see how much heart he has in like kind of a weird way because he takes everything so personally and he remembers for years he holds very long grudges (laughs) (laughs) he does yeah and it's just so fascinating to like see how much he pretends not to care or pretends like not to get emotional attachments but yet his whole everything he does is emotional everything he does Mm -hmm. is based on his connection to others and how others have hurt him and again that's like the kind of the realization i've had that's like making me feel for maul like feel compassion for him in a way that i haven't before
2: can you imagine how annoyed he must be that ahsoka says obi-wan had a more important engagement (laughs) can you think about how hurt obi or darth maul is by that statement (laughs) more important than me no way (laughs) no no he uh, he can't have a more important adversary than i this is impossible
1: I'm number one always.
2: <laughs> that's that's the emotional mall. That's the emotional mall we're talking about. <laughs> but while we're on the topic of of mall, I think we can we can continue this discussion and just kind of talk about his motivations in general throughout the entire episode. But are you familiar with Westworld? Have you watched Westworld I have not. at all? So nope. I guess like very light Westworld spoilers for those of you out there. I'll I'll go as light as I can, but. The, the whole idea of of Westworld, I guess, it becomes ultimately this battle of like free will versus uh predestiny in, in a way, and there's one character that really embodies that ideal of going against what the people around us or, you know, the kind of uh the machi- the quote unquote machine tells us that we need to live our lives by, you know. But instead of kind of following this path that is predetermined, we can break from that and and forge our own you know, code and be who we want to be and not just go by some algorithm. So mm-hmm. I almost was thinking about Maul in that context throughout this episode because there's this whole theme of knowledge and destiny playing throughout the entirety of his, his, his many monologues. And people just graciously <laughs> watching him talk and people are surrounding him. They're like, wow, his voice is really pretty. I mean, but, would you interrupt him, Brad? No, I really, I really wouldn't. Uh, (laughs) but, you know, he talks about just like right in the beginning of the episode, he seems all knowing. He almost seems like omnipresent in a way to Ahsoka. You know, I believe your way of thinking is behind the times. And later on, he says, at the time, I thought Dooku was an old fool, but now I see he and I are the same one step behind. And this is almost a direct reference to Dooku's pitch to Obi-Wan in Attack of the the Clones, where he says, you know, join me, Obi-Wan. We can rule the Sith. And at that point, Maul probably learns about that and thinks, wow, that was stupid of him to do. But now he's realizing Nuka wasn't a fool. He was actually right. We are all just part of the machine. And these things are predetermined, much like the clones, which Maul says, how how charming you actually believe I can't get from you what I need. And clones are only bred for combat, all part of the plan, the only plan that matters. So it's like he thinks that because of his This knowledge that he contains now, like he can kind of play the system in a way that everything still transpires, but he survives and he thrives in this this new chaos that's to come, as he says. But that's where everything kind of goes wrong in this episode. And that's why you see him become so desperate at the end, like somebody that's just completely trapped. And he hadn't accounted for any of this. And he was like, no, we're all going to die. Like this wasn't in his plan because he thought the whole time he could just get away with this and he could. Mm -hmm let the events transpire and change his own destiny, but let the destiny of others play out. And he thought, you know, you all are just a part of this tool. You have no control over it. Um, And he's trying to show them that he's trying to show Ahsoka that, but she doesn't give in. And that's when he kind of gives up on her and is like, you know, join me or die. I just think it's fascinating. This whole dynamic of Maul being very all knowing and kind of serving as a sort of God god figure almost of like i can i can save you only i can save us you know because i know what's going to happen i've seen the visions
1: i was so happy that he mentioned dooku like i'm a dooku stan Uh, but also (laughs) like big condolences to me hearing about his passing in this episode
2: (laughs) oh madison how did he how did he die madison let's let's recap
1: yeah so uh he was unfortunately beheaded by none other than anakin skywalker another character that i stand so it's it's very complicated when one character you stand beheads another character you stand but that's life as a star wars fan um <laughs> seems like
2: he really could have used a hand in the situation
1: oh goodness <laughs> yeah so moving right on past that uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I couldn't believe Maul, let alone, like, mentioned Dooku, again, that that was a callback to Son of Dathomir, which was cool, but he, I loved how he said that they were one and the same, because they're both apprentices of Sidious, who were used by Sidious, and then discarded when the time came, because Sidious always had another in mind, he was always looking for the Chosen One, and he knew who that was, so... I thought that was really cool, like, having a character in-universe drawing parallels between himself and another character. That was felt really meta to me, and it was really cool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I loved it. Yeah. And, yeah, again, going back to Dooku making his pitch to Obi-Wan in Attack of the Clones, yeah, I was thinking about that moment a lot in this episode because I was like, here we are again. The 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 good guy never takes the bad guy's hand and bad things always happen afterwards. <laughs> and I always like catch myself wondering what would have happened? W- what if Obi-Wan had listened to Dooku? What if he had gone with Dooku to like help destroy Sidious? What if he had believed Dooku and returned and like I don't know, and the Jedi had actually listened to him and started really looking into Sidious because I feel like they just kind of ignored that for a while until Revenge of the Sith rolls around and they're like, oh, shoot, maybe we should start trying a bit harder to find this Sidious guy. Like, what if they had tried harder? What if they had listened to Dooku? And then in this episode, I'm like, what if Ahsoka had listened to Maul? Like, because she does. Mm-hmm. But then he mentions Anakin and she goes off the rails. And that that moment felt very Ray to me, actually, because Ray always had the tendency of, like, Ben Solo just trying to talk to her and trying to talk things out. Especially in Tross. And she just always draws her lightsaber and attacks. And that reminded me of that here because Maul's just trying to talk things out. And Ahsoka, the lightsider, is the one that draws her lightsaber and makes him fight. Mm-hmm. And what did he do? He didn't do anything wrong. Everything he was saying was true, but she didn't, she couldn't handle the truth.
2: <laughs> yeah. She
1: didn't, she didn't like him pointing out the flaws in her master that she didn't want to see and so she attacks him for it i was like dang i mean a lot of people i'm sure are rooting for ahsoka here but should we be because she's resorting to violence here when it's not necessary that's perfectly put you can't handle the truth that is the (laughs) problem
2: with the jedi because they've been bred to basically think prophecies are scary we shouldn't believe them we shouldn't study them. That's why Dooku ultimately became uh, one of the lost 20 is because he was fascinated by prophecies. He was fascinated by what could be or what what was destined to be. But the Jedi hid all that knowledge away. So when you, when you breed a Jedi order, that is basically saying, no, everything is as the Force wills it and is presented in front of me. I can't accept otherwise. That's why every conflict in the... In the in the Star Wars saga, is as it is, you know. And when the truth actually comes out, our Jedi protagonists don't know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. Luke doesn't know how to handle Vader being his father. Ray doesn't initially know how to handle that the fact that she's nobody. She's very conflicted with that. And um, Ahsoka can't live with the knowledge that Anakin actually might turn to the dark side. So instead of hearing things out and maybe discussing these prophecies or these visions. They're they're condition to just resort to defensive mode you know and mm-hmm. i gotta keep my guard up because if i give in whatsoever to these prophecies or these visions and hear anybody out on the other side then i'm gonna be tempted by the dark side but what the jedi yeah. don't realize is there's a little gray area where you can cooperate to create balance and if it just took either obi-wan listening to dooku or if it just took ahsoka actually taking maul's hand and Shooting a call to Anakin and being like, "Hey, you know that guy you're hanging out with right now in his office? Yeah, you should uh put your lightsaber <laughs> through his neck. Uh, we could have avoided so much, but the Jedi aren't balanced enough yeah. to listen to the other side."
1: What I what I do think is interesting and and different about Ahsoka here, and again, is another parallel to how Ray handled things. Uh, I'm thinking about TLJ here too. There were a lot of TLJ parallels in this episode, which we're gonna be talking about, but. Ahsoka had no problem with Maul dissing the Jedi, and she's she's not uh, on good terms with the Jedi right now. Particularly the the Council, uh, referencing her face when when Obi Wan mentions the Jedi the Jedi Council in this episode, <laughs> she's like, "Ugh, those guys." Right? But she she doesn't care when Maul's like talking about the hypocrisy of the Jedi. She's kind of like, "Yeah, you're right. That's why I left." You know, she's not denying it at all. What? What upsets her is when he goes after Anakin because that's personal. It's not the the code and the ideals of the Jedi that she's defending here. It's defending my, her, her older brother, basically, right. because she's so attached to Anakin. It's that attachment. And same with Rey and Kylo. When he's trying to talk to her, when they keep having force bonds and TLJ, she doesn't want to listen. She shoots at him. She's shouting at him, all kinds of things. And I don't think it's because... Like it's partially because of this kind of construct she has in her mind of like a oh, resistance good, first order bad, but she doesn't really have any personal investment in that yet. It's her reaction is more rooted in the personal, like Ahsoka, because she's upset because he killed Han Solo. You killed your father. I don't understand that. My parents threw me away like garbage. You shouldn't have ever killed your father. That's her like motivation there, and so I thought that was like an interesting parallel between the motivations of Ray and Ahsoka and that they're both very personally motivated.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: There's just so much at play this episode. It's, it's mind boggling. And I feel like, I feel like we've done a pretty good job of tackling Maul's larger intentions, but there is just so much ground to cover. I think ultimately he mm-hmm. just, I think ultimately he just wants to be the, the leader of this new world that he creates And that's, that's kind of why I made the Westworld comparison is because that, that protagonist feels much of the same. They want to be, they want to create chaos and then control it much like Mm -hmm. how Maul talks about, you know, there's no law, there's no order, but what's about to happen will fit that mold. And I want to be on top of the pyramid. So join me and we'll take down Sidious and we can, we can, (laughs) I guess, rule together. I don't know where Maul would go after that, but. With, with ahsoka but who, who who knows
1: that whole exchange was so good when she says with your help the jedi can stop sidious before it's too late and he says too late for what the republic to fall it already has and you just can't see it there's no justice no law no order except for the one that will replace it the time of the jedi has passed they cannot defeat sidious but together you and i can like that yeah. whole speech was so good and it's so true like the republic fell as soon as the war started they just didn't mm-hmm. know because Sidious had orchestrated all of it. Don't say they didn't know.
2: There's only one person that knew and his name is Bail Organa. Let me tell you. <laughs> okay. We are dis we the fandom is constantly dissing on bail Organa. Well, there's not enough respect for that man because you see an attack of the clones when Sheev's looking over at that Grand Army Bail Organa. He's looking to the side. He is upset as hell because he knows this is the end of democracy as we know it. So just got to defend my man there.
1: Bail Organa is a
2: legend. I will not argue with you there. Let's let's move into the the, uh, the talks between Ahsoka and Obi-Wan before we move on to uh, Ahsoka and, and Maul, but that's kind of how this conversation starts, and it was kind of funny how, like, once again, you know, Darth Sidious is brought up, and Obi-Wan's like, yes, well, the council knows a little bit about it, but this is the Sith Lord who we knew about that orchestrated both sides of the war and played both sides, and Started the Clone Wars, but we haven't done much research into that. What? Why have you guys done so much research? Are you crazy? You know okay. there's a double agent and you're that's that started the war and you like you guys are just now like being like, Oh, maybe we should actually get more information on this guy. No, you right. waited too long. You right. waited too long.
1: See, okay. My question is, what what is he referencing here? Is he talking about what Dooku told him? Is he also referencing Yoda's visions in the Lost Missions? Like, did Yoda tell people about those? Like, I, I'm just wondering, what is Obi-Wan referencing here when he's talking about his knowledge of Sidious and what the Council knows? Did he report to them what Dooku said, or no? I think so,
2: and maybe partially has to do with Maul existing, knowing that at the end of The Phantom Menace, Mace Windu and Yoda's like, but who was destroyed, the Master or the Apprentice, you know? So obviously mm-hmm. they, know, they know the Master's still out there somewhere. Yes. And I really think it largely does have to do with with Dooku. Because they, they bring up the fact that Dooku had that knowledge. Obi-Wan says that in the conversation, but he's like, you know, we, we don't have that knowledge anymore and it can kill them. Which, by the way, Right, chills. yeah. To know that yeah. we were past that scene at this point. That Dooku's dead. That that like de- Anakin's a dad. Oh my god he's a dad. And he's a dad. <laughs> I'm a dad. I'm a father. <laughs> and there's. We're like holy crap. Like we're in it. We're in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah it's crazy. he's like.
1: Shame, Dooku got killed and we can't get information out of him. And I'm like, yeah, good job. Y'all, you had like a million chances to capture him over the course of the war.
2: I was like, Obi-Wan, you just had to get flung into that railing, didn't you? (laughs) Come on. Come on, man.
1: Yeah, uh, this this conversation was very shocking to me. I did not expect to see Obi-Wan again, honestly. I thought Ahsoka had seen the last of Obi-Wan and Anakin and they wouldn't show up again, but... There was Obi-Wan. We're in the middle of Revenge of the Sith and all this stuff is happening. He's being sent to Utapau like craziness. But yeah, they have a great conversation here that I thought was really interesting where he actually tells Ahsoka about Anakin's assignment to spy on the Chancellor. And there's like so many layers happening here. I just mind blown. But there's so much happening with Obi-Wan here because... He, he seems to both understand, like, the council is trying to find out, you know, what's going on here, get to the bottom of the conspiracy, so ends justify the means, but he also seems to be, I, it always seemed to me that he was very personally upset by them making Anakin do this, because he knows how much it hurts Anakin to have to do it. Um, and he actually says here when he's talking to Ahsoka, the council isn't always right. And I was like, oh, interesting. So it feels like Obi-Wan feels like maybe the council isn't doing the right thing here, but he kind of understands why they're doing it. But because he's sympathizing with Anakin having to do this, he's like, Ahsoka, maybe you should give Anakin a call and like check up on him and like help him. I don't know. Uh reconcile with this i don't really know what obi-wan was wanting her to say because ahsoka's like uh i'm not the best person to be like defending the council here right <laughs> so it's just it almost felt like obi-wan was kind of abusing her in a way i don't know if that's too harsh a wording but It almost felt like he knows that Ahsoka is one of the few people left that Anakin really trusts and strongly cares about. So he's like, "You talk Anakin into doing this, Ahsoka." Like, I don't know. I actually I
2: read it less as Obi Wan pushing her into doing something, as him actually not acknowledging that. Listen, I'm a part of this, Ahsoka. There's really not much I can do to change them. There's really not much reason I should, because at this point in the game. It's not. It's gonna do nothing but hurt my reputation. You, on the other hand, I know you're you're outside the circle. We're not perfect. I know that from Master Qui Gon. I know the Council is not perfect. I've seen it happen in a story like Master and Apprentice. But you, on the other hand, you can afford to have this conversation with Anakin. You can be his advocate. You can be the, you know, the the coach in his his uh, corner of the boxing ring. You know, I can't necessarily be that because it's almost like a conflict of of interest. You know, the Council wants one thing. And I know what's best for my Padawan, but I can't quite have that sort of relationship, you know? So I think he knows that Ahsoka has that deeper level of attachment to Anakin in a way that he'll never understand. And that's why he's like, the council never is, isn't always right, but that's why I'm sending you. And that's to imply that he knows Ahsoka is right about the way is, is, is about the way she goes about things. She's right. You know, she's right in what she does and what she believes. And Obi-Wan can't quite voice that as often as he'd like. But Ahsoka can.
1: Not to go on an on an uh, Obi Wan tangent here, but you saying that just made me think. Like, I I feel a lot of anger towards Obi Wan at this point in time because he he should have stuck up for his Padawan. He should have stood up for Anakin, and he mm-hmm. didn't because of what you just said it's like a conflict of interest it's almost like the jedi playing politics with each other and obi-wan doesn't want to challenge the council see qui-gon never had a problem challenging the council he was always the controversial one the one going against the grain and obi-wan was always like master if you would just follow the code you would be on the he would be on the council already you know and qui-gon's like i don't care about all that crap right (laughs) so that was how they were different qui-gon's the man Qui-Gon is the man and Obi-Wan's always more diplomatic if that's the word he's always trying to smooth things over and not stoke conflict so he he doesn't challenge the council in my opinion when he should and he should have said don't put Anakin in this position you know because he tells Anakin in episode three I don't like that they're putting you in the situation like i get it i understand they have that conversation after he gets the assignment like obi-wan's like i know i'm sorry anakin but it's the way it is but i'm like you should go to the council and say don't put anakin in this position like if there's any way to avoid this you Mm -hmm. should do it but in my opinion the council was using anakin like a tool And they didn't care about the personal side of it. They were just using that to their advantage. It was like uh, the Jedi got very ends justify the means. Like if you've read Dark Disciple, which I don't want to spoil, but the Jedi have very much lost sight of their moral compass at this point. And they're asking Jedi to do very questionable things. Uh, And it just it just shows how far they've fallen by this point
2: which makes sense cuz dark disciple would have been a, a clone wars arc for this mm-hmm. this season probably the final season so it really would have all kind of culminated together to really show their their misgivings but you know not saying obi-wan's right or wrong but to his defense like we discussed last episode of the last missions i think obi-wan's kind of given up because i don't think he has anything left to fight for i think in some ways satine meant so much to him that anakin never could so losing that it's and losing his former master it's like I just don't care anymore. And it's really sad to think about because he should come to Anakin's defense. But I think Obi-Wan is in the lowest of places. And it's not until everything really goes wrong that he realizes he let his guard down a little too much. And that's why his protection of Luke Skywalker, baby Luke on Tatooine, that's why he dedicates himself to that. You know, like that's why he sits tight and doesn't do anything else, doesn't cause any trouble is because he's like, I screwed up big last time because I let my guard down and I'm literally doing nothing but watching over this child. I,
1: I think that Obi-Wan does care for Anakin almost to the level of Satine, um, but mm. obviously in a different way, they're brothers, which he tells Anakin when it's too late. <laughs> yeah, and he says, I love you, you know? Yeah, but it's everything with Obi-Wan is suppressed Because Obi-Wan is a true, I don't want to say a true Jedi, because I'm just going to call him a true prequel Jedi, because I disagree with the prequel Jedi ideology. They almost turn themselves into robots with their lack of emotion. (laughs) (laughs) So everything with Obi-Wan is always downplayed because he adheres to the ideology of no attachment. So... Even with teen, when he clearly loves her, it's like when sh- she's dying, spoiler alert, and she says, I love you, and he doesn't say it back. It's just like, dang, like, you know he does, but he, he won't even say it when she's dying. Like, that's how dedicated Obi-Wan is. He mm-hmm. just uh, he didn't do some things he should have done with Anakin supporting him and stuff, because I think... Uh, he was trying too hard to be a good Jedi and was trying to just conceal and don't feel.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: Do you think and he's I almost think...
2: distancing himself too much from Anakin because he's worried if it goes south again, he doesn't want to have that much heartbreak?
1: I, d- I don't know. Just, uh I think he wants Anakin to be more like him, and I think he gets frustrated with Anakin as much as they banter about their differences. I think Obi-Wan gets frustrated because Anakin is actually a lot like Qui-Gon, going against the council, going against the typical Jedi formula, and I think he just wants Anakin to make things easier on him sometimes, as much as he does love Anakin. It's just it's a very complicated situation.
2: Yeah, and I don't I don't mean to downplay either the relationship between Anakin and Obi-Wan because I do. I do. I think I, I definitely agree with you in terms of it is strong as, as what he had with Satine, just a different type of love. And I think. Uh, I don't know, I'm really just trying to pick apart obi because I actually really how I'm viewing him is just so I, I'm I'm almost having like an epiphany of sorts, like a spiritual journey with the character of Obi-Wan and how I view him. And the prequels, mm-hmm. like, what his motivations are and why he is the way he is in Revenge of the Sith. Like, why he just sits so idly by. And it's, it's, it's just interesting, you know? And obviously he has such a yeah good place for Anakin, but I think the reason he can't get through to Anakin, it's why, it's why he doesn't try as much as he probably should in, Re- in Revenge of the Sith, is because he's talking to Ahsoka here and asking her to do it. Because he's like, yeah. he won't listen to me. Like, I've already tried talking to him in Anakin's like, that's treason, and he's like, we're at war, Anakin. Like, this is the only option, you know. And it it takes Ahsoka to speak to Anakin on a certain level that Obi Wan can't just quite get through to his apprentice with. It's there's a lot of layers to it.
1: Yeah, and again, like with with that line, we're at war, Anakin. There's Obi Wan doing the same thing as the council, the rest of the council, like excusing things that are questionable because we gotta you know, in justifies the means here. Like even Obi-Wan's getting desperate, but like in terms of like how much he cares about Anakin and that relationship, I think actions speak louder than words and the fact that he dedicated the rest of his life to watching Luke grow up on Tatooine and guarding him, that says a lot to me. That's very moving even though y- you could say there too. It's well, he's doing it for the galaxy. Because Luke mm-hmm. is the the hope that him and Yoda are investing in. They're expecting him to grow up, and you know what? I'm you know what? I'm gonna backtrack from what I just said because now I'm thinking about the original trilogy and him like telling Luke to go kill his father, <laughs> <laughs> to go kill Anakin, and I'm like, excuse me, like has Obi Wan learned nothing? Like violence isn't going to solve your problems. You'd think Obi Wan would know that, being kind of much more on the pacifist side of things than someone like Anakin always was and yet he tells Anakin's son to go kill him that's i don't think that's ever going to sit right with me
2: i don't think obi-wan necessarily wants that but you got to feel for the guy with what he went through and mm-hmm. i think he truly thought Darth Darth Vader had too, like had consumed anakin skywalker too much you know he's more machine than man i think that that quote right there is so essential to why obi-wan suggests killing uh anakin but really the the power of the original trilogy is like we prove obi-wan wrong and obi-wan proves himself wrong and kind of realizes this whole time he was wrong about so much but in the Mm -hmm. end he's a force ghost standing right next to his apprentice you know and that's it is definitely problematic to to send uh send you're your basically nephew to go kill your your brother-in-law <laughs> so it's a it's a struggle obi-wan is a fascinating character and i think that's somebody i i want to dive really really far into and i think even the obi-wan kenobi show will give us so much more insight oh to his psyche you know it's gonna show yeah. us like the kind of mental battle he's had it's gonna be a more of a mental battle than anything else. You know, it's not going to be Obi-Wan mm-hmm. whipping out his lightsaber on Tusken Raiders. I'm sure there'll be elements of that, but the show is really going to be about the spiritualness of Obi-Wan, like him tapping into himself, dealing with failure and learning how to cope with it, but also maybe coping with it in the wrong ways.
1: Yeah, like sitting here I'm trying to like condense Obi-Wan right now. I'm trying to crack the shell here because yeah. Obi-Wan is a bit of a tough nut to crack. He's complex and I think what I'm kind of coming to right now is he's struggling with hope, like from here until the OT. he mm-hmm. I think he loses hope for a while, Yeah. like more machine than man. He loses hope in Anakin because I think it would hurt him too much to hope and believe that Anakin could potentially come back. So he abandons, I think he abandons hope for a while to some mm-hmm. extent because it hurts too much to care. So he tries to... I think he does try to distance himself to some extent. Yeah.
2: And that's why he needs a new hope. You know, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a new hope for the galaxy, but you can read that title as it's a new hope for Obi-Wan. Mm hmm. Oh, gosh, this is great. Star- this is good. Star Wars stuff. is good. <laughs> Star Wars is good. Like Obi-Wan, we're, we're going on an Obi-Wan tangent because like this arc is is just, oh, it's so good with him. It's so rich with Obi-Wan content and this
1: breaking this him one- apart. This one episode is so dense. I could talk about yeah. it for hours like with each different character and like why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah, it's it's fascinating stuff, but
2: I'm sure we could talk about Obi-Wan for forever. <laughs> I could probably <laughs> sit here another hour and talk to do a character study of him, but let's let's wrap up with one, the one last thing that he tells uh, the the last exchange that I imagine he will ever have with Ahsoka possibly. Maybe not ever, but um, I got to imagine one of the very few considering he'll eventually Uh, go into isolation on on Tatooine and Ahsoka leaves the room and says tell Anakin he goes I will
1: Madison what does that mean (laughs) I don't know Brad (laughs) because like if this is at the point in the timeline where Obi-Wan's about to leave for Utapau like the only conversation we see in Revenge of the Sith is like where uh Obi-Wan's telling Anakin how he's A great man and all this stuff and then as Obi-Wan's walking away Anakin says may the force be with you and he says uh, may the force be with you goodbye old friend and then walks away and I'm like what there was nothing in that conversation that I felt like was him relaying anything from Ahsoka because that that is a thing that Star Wars does sometimes where it's like you look at a scene one way and then you get it recontextualized later so I I don't know we could see a different scene where he talks to Anakin like a different conversation, where he tells him something. I don't know if we'll ever see it. It almost felt like it made me think of TLJ again. It made me think of uh, Ray telling Chewie when she's about to <laughs> ship herself to her boyfriend, and she's like, "Uh, tell Finn." And then Chewie growls something, and she's like, "Yeah, perfect. Tell him that." And we never find out what it is.
2: <laughs> Madison, you can't just say Chewie growls something. You actually have to do the growl.
1: I can't. <laughs> I've <I> tried. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah I actually had the same thought honestly I was like I'm glad you brought that up but I don't know I was thinking like would she say I'm sorry but then I don't know what she would be apologizing for if she says something like I understand like what would Obi-Wan know to say to Anakin like call me th- <laughs> you know like maybe maybe they have another conversation I know Pohat Dameron and Talkers are saying they think they might there might be one final call between Anakin and Ahsoka. And I'm trying to figure when that would happen in the timeline. It's very difficult considering Order 66 happens next episode. So when does that fit in? And the only thing I could think of is Anakin having a call to Ahsoka right before he goes up into the Jedi chambers at the temple and has the Padme's rumination scene where he's looking across the cityscape at Padme, who's in their apartment building. So I'm thinking like maybe they could talk on his way there and he could say, I need to think on this or something, you know, and that's what. That's what even makes his conflict so much deeper in that council room as he's thinking about the conversation he just had with Ahsoka, plus what he's, he's hearing from Palpatine, like I can save the one you love, and also sensing Padme. And so then there's like a third layer in that scene now with Ahsoka. That's my guess, but I don't know.
1: Whoa, Brad, you're like actually talking me into wanting this because I I was firmly in the camp of like, that's their last scene, like the way that ahsoka and anakin's last conversation played out and the whole way the scene was shot if you will feels like a last conversation like the way it lingers on him smiling at her the good luck you know all that stuff felt like mm-hmm. last last conversation until the vader confrontation on malachor last time i saw him out, he was running off to save the chancellor
2: yeah what if yeah that's not the battle of Coruscant what if that's saving the chancellor from his office or something or Anakin saying the chancellor's in danger but she's not saying from the Jedi he's just saying in general and she goes what is he in danger from you got to protect him yeah he runs off to save the chancellor
1: that could fit that could fit yeah I like part of me part of me wants it and part of me doesn't want it because I almost I think one of the keys like no I would say the key to, to Anakin falling is isolation um yeah he he feels separated from obi-wan he feels a growing distance between him and padme they don't trust each other anymore and he's isolated from ahsoka because Mm. she's on uh, mandalore doing all this other stuff so i don't know if i want her to be able to contact him again because then it's like he's not alone and he knows it because she just called him and she understands you know i and she would get it and she would be on his side and would want the best for him. And I almost like yeah. that would be too much. Like, I, I think he feels so desperate because Obi-Wan's on Utapal, He's gone. Ahsoka's gone. And now he's just there alone on Coruscant. Like, how do I protect Padme? Yeah. And he's in like a very kind of isolated headspace. And, you know, this is my only option. I I feel like Ahsoka butting into that might, like, mess up kind of what's happening with him there, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, I'm on the fence about it, and I think if they do it, it would have to really, really fit well. Like, it would have to be basically flawless as to not mess too much with like. Anakin.
1: I, I think I like the idea better of by the time she tries to contact him, he's already in the middle of, like, marching to the Jedi Temple or something, and it's too late and he doesn't get the call. I think that would hit me harder. Is that like it It came too late? Or we get another butt dial moment, Madison.
2: <laughs> 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 oh butt my go. R- R2, is that you? Yeah, Anakin just went into the temple and he's killing younglings. What? I don't know what's what? going on. <laughs> and then he hangs up. <laughs>
1: Or Anakin <laughs> accidentally but dials Ahsoka, and she's just hearing the sound effects of him like killing people in the Giant Temple, and she doesn't understand what's going on. <laughs> she's like, she picks up the phone,
2: "Master Skywalker, oh that's Josh. Josh is my favorite youngling. <laughs> oh hi Josh. Hi Anakin, can you hear me? Tell Josh I say hello." Z- z- I was like, what was that noise? <laughs> Hangs up. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> it got really dark. We're we're <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I just really love the idea of Anakin butt-dialing Ahsoka during Order 66. I'm sorry. It's so entertaining. Uh, yeah, so oh man, I guess we'll see next week. I would, If I had to place money on it, I would bet that we don't have another conversation with Ahsoka and Anakin, but I would not be opposed uh, to that happening. So yeah. just a couple other noteworthy things. Again, we mentioned Obi-Wan's on Utapau, so I think he's probably talking to them right before he flies down to the uh, planet surface. You know, like right after that meeting he has with Cody on the uh, cruiser. Mm-hmm. So I think that's when this occurs. We do hear the Emperor's theme during this scene when uh, Darth Sidious is brought up, or right after actually Ahsoka is about to leave. So that was pretty ominous. And this kind of moves us into the next sequence of events, which um, Madison I kind of briefly cover quick so you can introduce us to the final confrontation between uh, these two power powers at play. But uh, Next couple scenes really just feature bo going off. <laughs> she's like a total <laughs> right. badass. Honestly, I could watch her fight all day. This is after she flies after the, one of the Maul that assassinate was, Almec.
1: Was it Gar Saxon? I think in the, it was, yeah. Scenes?
2: Which kind of sets up that rivalry in Rebels, which mm-hmm. is fascinating to think about. But her and the elevator scene and that shot of her with her jetpack going and she's just holding the elevator above her head is just probably one of my favorite shots in all of Clone Wars, honestly. It was so beautiful and so badass, and I just want to see Katie Sackhoff in The Mandalorian so bad. She would be amazing as Bo-Katan. And so that happens, and then we go into the underneath layers of Mandalore once more, Madison, and
1: introduce us to daddy number two of the episode. So uh, Dryden Boss, he, he, made a, he made a cameo in this episode, and we called that last week, I think, Brad, in our last episode, and I was very excited to see him, even if it's just from a distance. He didn't have any lines or anything, but I was excited to see him have another Crimson Dawn connection there. Yeah. So yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. I love the sigh that, Ma- that Maul gave after
2: the phone call hung up. He kind of like sighed as if he was really on edge talking to them and he was kind of trying mm-hmm. to um act a certain way or maybe seem like he had his shit together but he truly didn't <laughs> or he started fe- he start to relatable uh, yeah he was starting to feel like things were slipping through maybe more than he anticipated but um yeah we saw prince Dizor as well i see a lot of people saying they're gonna bust out their nintendo 64 now and play shadows of the empire <laughs> so that was that was funny but yeah dryden voss was a, a lovely surprise in animated form and i if you asked me which character we would see make a cameo this season, I would not have guessed him. He would be like at the bottom of the list. He is yeah, like honestly the low exciting. odds horse of the race. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but he did. He
2: made it. Yeah. And there's a nice little reference in there to the son of Dathomir. Maul mentions getting liberated from Sidious's prison. So that is an obvious reference to that comic series in which you can read about that uh, sequence of events. So, yeah, that's kind of what what happens down there. And he just, again, continues to emphasize that he is going to survive all this and thrive in the new chaos that's about to come. And the chaos does come.
1: He tells them to go into hiding, right? Which I thought was interesting.
2: Yeah. Actually, I wanted to ask you about that because we see in the Mandalorian that covert we know have been hiding for quite some time. So. I'm trying to kind of piece together, do you think like these coverts are so separated from each other that they're they they're all hiding and they don't really know about what's happening on Mandalore or do you think they try to come out of hiding the empire betrays them and then they go back to hiding
1: Well, see the Mandalorians he's telling them to fight to the death but it's the the leaders of the crime syndicates that he's telling to go into hiding which that that was what got my attention because um it's almost like there's a major like power shift that's about to be happening like a a coup is about to happen the yeah. republic's going down so there that could trigger all kinds of other coups and power shifts across the galaxy so i think he's trying to give them a heads up of like hey watch out you know someone one of your underlings might try to pull something in the midst of all this chaos let's all lay low for a while let the empire kind of get its footing and then we will he says you know thrive in the chaos yeah so um the Mandalorians, I don't think Maul gives a crap about as evidenced by the end of the episode., <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no way. He's just he's using their beliefs against them of like, you know, warriors' death, fighting for what you believe in, all this kind yeah. of stuff. But I did like the connection of, like, you, you don't belong living in the sewers, you know, underground, and that is a great connection to the Mandalorian, yeah. because that is, that's where they end up, and it's sad. And you wonder, how did they get there? Um, and I don't know. We we don't have context for that yet. We haven't seen like the night of a thousand tears. We don't know what the Empire does to the Mandalorians that breaks them so horribly and reduces their yeah. numbers to, to such a great extent.
2: Yeah. Hey, just think, Madison. Moff Gideon's out there somewhere fighting at this current point in time. He is. Yeah. He's gonna have that dark saber. Formerly just a commander, now <laughs> Moff. <laughs> Fascinating stuff though. I love seeing Dryden Voss and I hope he's having a good time on his nice golden yacht. So what a
1: guy. What a guy. (laughs) But also screw that guy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. (laughs) Well, Madison, introduce us to this final confrontation that we're gonna close out the episode uh with to talk about. And this (laughs) we're an hour and fifteen minutes in, folks. Closing (laughs) in on last minute's runtime. So uh We'll see how long this goes for, but there is a lot. (laughs) This is going to take up probably the bulk of the next 30 minutes, honestly, 30 to 45 minutes. We'll see how long, but uh, take it away, Madison.
1: You underestimate how long we will talk about this episode. (laughs) Don't try it. So I love this moment where Ahsoka and Bo-Katan go into the throne room because the music from, by the way, Kevin Kiner is just knocking it out of the park in this arc. It's crazy. Like all of the musical callbacks and the new scores are just mixing so seamlessly. It's awesome. But as they walk into the throne room, the music that plays when uh, Palpatine is telling Anakin the tale of... Darth Plagueis the Wise, that theme is playing and I just got like major goosebumps because that theme is so dark and ominous and it reminds me a lot of Snoke's theme. Like I I think John Williams probably referenced his own material when he was composing Snoke's yeah. theme because it's got that same vibe to it. And yeah, that really uh, set the tone for like the the stakes of what was about to happen. Yeah, it was... <laughs> Again,
2: when those doors slide open and you see him just on that chair with, with uh, Jesse right next to him with the handcuffs, you're like, oh shit. <laughs> What's yeah. going like, to happen? About to go down. Kind of keeps you on the edge of your seat. And I got to admit, Maul's hilarious in the scene. He is so good. I love when he takes <laughs> yeah. the handcuffs off Jesse and he goes, Run along. There you go. Go back to your clone buddies. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and he says, go back so to your good. brother, your brothers, right? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I almost felt like a soft moment there because it's like he got separated from his brother Savage and he got to send the brother back to his brothers. Yeah. Oh, I'm gosh. just going to go cry now. So good. So deep. <laughs> yeah. You know,
2: Maul kicks Bo-Katan out pretty quick. The explosions start outside. <laughs> <Maul> goes, yeah. <laughs> One of you might want to deal with that. AKA Lady Bo Katan, get out of here so I can get my groove on with Ahsoka and fight to the death. <laughs> Please.
1: <laughs> when your friends come over and hang out and you just invited like one person, but then they all come and you're like, I I didn't want this. No, you're supposed to go do go to the movies or something.
2: <laughs> uh, I think there's a fire in my kitchen. All of you need to leave right now except this one person. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So good. Yeah.
2: It's uh this scene takes a, a really interesting turn and gets so incredibly complex. And I love Maul looking out the window and saying, you know, everybody down there is blissfully ignorant, going back to his sort of omnipresence that he thinks he has, but is soon going to be taken away from him. And it's why he's going to really resort to some uh, crazy shenanigans in these next couple episodes to, to escape. But, you know, he talks about Palpatine being behind everything in the shadows always, but soon, very soon, he will reveal himself. And mm-hmm. um, it was funny. I realized that was a, a, a connection to the Rise of Skywalker, surprisingly enough, when Leia in the beginning of the movie says Palpatine. Uh, she's quite literally says, Lurk or, uh, in the shadows always, the same as Maul does. So clearly, Sith lords have a thing for uh, lurking mysteriously in dark places that you can't find, and <laughs> specifically Palpatine. Yeah. So I, I just love this whole conversation, he's, he starts with, you were motivated to leave by the hypocrisy of the Jedi Council. We were both tools for greater power. So right away, he's establishing, this is why you should listen to me, Ahsoka, is because we're both coming from the same place. We were both cast aside by our orders, by our masters. They don't care about us. We were just part of the plan, you know? we were We were on this path to help them, and then whatever. We were we don't matter now, you know? And then Ahsoka kind of actually responds to that pretty well. She's like, yeah, I guess I kind of agree. Cause mm-hmm. I put my whole life into the order and they turned their backs on me pretty quick.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mentioned this earlier in the episode, but I really want to give props to Maul in this scene because like, you can't help but compare it to the throne room scene in TLJ. It's a very obvious parallel. This, I felt like this entire episode was Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni like love letter to TLJ. <laughs> Um, and Maul did a much better job, I gotta say, than Kylo of making his pitch. (laughs) Absolutely. Kylo, Kylo is not the most eloquent individual. Uh, he's very (laughs) blunt and to the point and things often come out wrong. (laughs) But Maul did a great job of just eloquently laying it all out there. Like, he's like got his whiteboard and his markers and he's like doing a Venn diagram. And it's like, look, me... You. Same. <laughs> and Ahsoka's like, you're He circles wow, you're right.
2: puts a heart around it. Oh my god. Kylo's like, you're nothing to me. Oh shit, I didn't mean to say that.
1: <laughs> yeah, he, he just does a great job of laying it all out there. And everything he's saying is true. Like, the, the Jedi were hypocrites. They did turn their backs on Ahsoka after all that she did for them. The Republic is falling. Sidious is rising, you know, together you and I can do something about it. He's like, let's team up. And it was great. And I was honestly expecting Ahsoka to kind of reject him outright. And she she didn't. (laughs) She said, I'll help you. And I died because, wow, that's what Rey said to Kylo in the elevator, just saying. But (laughs) she says, I'll help you. And I was just so moved by that. Like Ahsoka actually listened. And yeah. I think what, what moved me so much about the scene is the shock on Maul's face after she says she'll help him. Because Maul is used to being rejected over and over again. And she didn't reject him. She was like, yeah, sure, I'll help you. And he's like, whoa, really? That actually worked? <laughs> he <laughs> he's like, like well, I guess that was easy. <laughs> he's like, this is too good to be true. And of course he's right because of the turn this takes in a minute. But I, I was impressed by Ahsoka actually that she was willing to listen because she goes into this situation like having heard all of these terrible things about Maul, probably from Obi Wan and Anakin, and she has all these preconceived notions about him. Uh, but she actually takes the time to listen and be like, you know what, you're making some good points. Like, maybe we do have some things in common and like maybe we could work together to take down Sidious. I just thought that was really cool that she actually considered it. Um And going back to TLJ parallels again, because can't help myself. It's like right there. Uh, She actually was going to take his hand metaphorically when she says, I'll help you. Like Ray didn't get that far. She considered it. But then she immediately goes for the lightsaber and like it's back to combat mode again. Mm -hmm. Like Ray immediately kind of handled the situation with resorting to aggression again instead of like talking it out. And Ahsoka almost goes the other way. She almost goes the other way and listens and, like, figures out a third way, you could say. But then he he takes that personal shot at Anakin in her point of view. Yeah. Because he talks about how Anakin, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. When she says, I'll help you, she's like, but you have to answer one question. He's like, you have but to ask it. And I'm like, whoa, why is that so hot? But anyway. <laughs> He's like, yes, I'll answer any question you have. Just join me. Uh, And she's like, what do you want? (laughs) (laughs) Truth. Spin the bottle.
2: Let me put this Uh, bottle on the ground real quick and spin it. We don't have to do that, Maul. Okay. Putting the bottle back.
1: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, God. Don't let
2: me go on the tangent, Madison. Just keep going.
1: (laughs) She's like, what do you want with Anakin Skywalker? Because she's heard about the vision and all this stuff. And he says he's the key to everything. And she says to bring balance to the force. Because that's probably what she's been hearing all these years is Anakin's the chosen one. He's supposed to bring balance to the force. And Maul then says the complete opposite to her. Uh, He says to destroy. He has long been groomed for his role as my master's new apprentice. And she says you lie. So here's where she, like, starts to go, okay, maybe this wasn't such a good idea. But the thing is, Maul's totally right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We will watch your career with great interest. Like, Palpatine has been grooming Anakin the whole time. And can I just say, I really appreciated that word usage. Because Mm. he actually used the word groomed. Yeah. And so many Star Wars fans are hard on characters like... Anakin, Maul, Ben Solo, all who were groomed to be these killers for years, Mm -hmm. and they had this person inside their head, you know, and people just brush that aside, and it's like you can't brush that aside, that's key to their character, and that's why we should have compassion for them, it's like they didn't ask for this, they didn't ask for Palpatine to come in and ruin their lives. And I just really appreciated Maul seeing that. And you like he probably relates to Anakin in that way, but it's also again the the rivalry trumps everything because he wants to get back at Sidious. But anyway, yeah. uh this is the part where he admits that he orchestrated all of this to lure Anakin here to, to kill him. And that's when Ahsoka's like, done. Yeah. <laughs> And she says, "I know, Anakin, your vision is flawed." She just declares it right there, like, "I don't care what vision the Force gave you; it's it's wrong. The Force is wrong." I know, Anakin, I know better, and he wouldn't do that. So uh, then, then Maul comes back with, "I see the Padawan needs one last lesson."
2: <laughs> Hot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that would, that would be whole... Maul's
2: three a.m. text. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs>
1: As- A blocks color
2: <laughs> sorry this verizon user has blocked your number <laughs> <laughs> oh man when you when you think about it though again going back to the tlj parallels with this scene and, and ben and ray it is still even though ray does resort to the lightsaber pull initially the the scene really does still play out the same because Ray wants to take Ben's hand, and then Ben quickly goes back to that Kylo mentality of like, let the past die, kill it. Skywalker, mm-hmm. Snoke, the Jedi, the Sith, all of it. We're gonna tear it down. And she's like, "Don't do this, Ben. Please, don't go this way." And uh, great TikTok sound effect. Now, by the way, it's great if you haven't already uh, downloaded TikTok. <laughs> There's plenty of those that are used uh, with that sound effect. But at that point, she goes, "This is not the Ben's hand. This is not Ben. This is not the guy who." whose hand I wanted to take. Now this is back to Kylo. I wanted to take Ben's hand, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with Ahsoka here, you know? Yeah, okay, Maul, we can agree that we both want to take down Sidious. Yes, but I also want to kill Anakin Skywalker. Maul, you're not really <laughs> making a great case for yourself now. And- oh my gosh,
1: Brad. What's that? Let let it all die. The the Sith, Palpatine, Skywalker. The Jedi. The, yeah, It's the same. Oh my gosh. Yeah. so it's the same
2: exact reversal of Here, I'm presenting you this one thing. Great, I'm bought in. I'll take your hand. But also, there's this, there's this conditional aspect to it. (laughs) Of Mm -hmm. we need to do this other thing as well that goes against what you believe in. Oh, okay. Well, I don't vibe with that. So now we're gonna fight it out. And that's that's what kind of happens in both both scenarios, unfortunately. And I think if Maul, knowing full well, he could have maybe left out the detail of killing Anakin or the vision, or he could have lied to Ahsoka. I'm surprised, honestly, that he didn't lie. I'm surprised he told her the truth, but I guess that's how much faith he put in her to tell her the truth. And I think he think he I think he put too much faith in Ahsoka to think, yo, she was cast mm-hmm. aside, so it doesn't matter what I say to her, that nothing will push the wrong buttons, and it honestly did, and it kind of cost him his whole
1: plan. Well, again, he was projecting. He's seeing a, a fellow cast aside apprentice, and I think he thought she would have that. Same anger and hatred towards her old master that he has towards his, and that maybe she would want some revenge. But she, he, he vastly underestimated the connection between Anakin and Ahsoka, and that was that was his mistake. Absolutely. There's one other quote I want to talk about before we get into the fight,
2: and this is when Maul says, "Justice is merely a construct of the current power base, a base which means, according to my calculations, is about to change." Mm -hmm. I love this quote because. It is really showing how much weight the Jedi have, and it kind of made me connect back to the Martez sisters arc, where the Martez sisters' parents' parents died, and is like, may the force be with you. It's like, is that justice? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. did you guys bring justice to Cad Bane? Like, no, you cost so many lives, but really, the Jedi are the current power base, so it really doesn't matter what they do. You know, so no matter what they do, even if it's wrong, it's going to be perceived as justice. So I just thought it was kind of an interesting comment, political commentary by Maul about the Jedi. Uh, sort of interesting uh, callback to um, the Martez sisters experience and maybe some of what Ahsoka learned in terms of how much influence the Jedi hold, both for good and for bad.
1: He's He's totally right in that. The the Republic says justice is one thing. They have their own list of rules and laws and regulations. But then when the Empire, which he says you know is about it's about to change, the Empire is about to be in charge. They're gonna have a totally different set of rules and regulations and things that are okay and things that we're gonna crack down on. In the their definition of justice, is totally different than that of the Republic. So I thought that was a great uh, point by maul there <laughs> yeah absolutely
2: now comes the the great moment the battle is waging outside i love by the way how this the rest of this episode is so juxtaposed between ahsoka battling maul and also rex battling on the ground we do get a lot of shots mm-hmm. with him from his his point of view and him running for his life and trying to dive behind cover and you kind of are like oh my god is rex gonna die but you know he's not But you get that sort of feeling in your gut where you're like, God, something's really just about to go wrong. And I think that's what this episode does well is it it wants you to feel the stakes. And I think that's it it achieves it in every way possible. But we have the window blow in the slow-mo shot, as you mentioned, and we get this incredible I'm going to fight you. Ahsoka lights both her lightsabers up. Maul gets his double bladed saber out. He does the same pose as Maul from Phantom Menace. And Madison, why why is he doing the same exact pose as the Phantom Menace?
1: Because it's Ray Park. Indeed. Doing Amazing. mocap. Yeah. yeah, iconic, legendary. <laughs> Truly. And playing
2: a soap because motion capture is stunt performer Lauren Mary Kim, who I learned about in the credits. And she actually did some previous work on The Mandalorian as well. So she's. Uh, familiar with the star wars universe but madison before before we get into the the nitty-gritty of the battle what did you think of the motion capture and how exciting was it to
1: have ray park back oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) i've been so hyped about this fight for a long time and i i was not disappointed uh this was, in terms of animation, my, my favorite fight in the Clone Wars or Rebels, purely because of how it was animated. I'm a huge fan of the mocap. I hope they do it in future animated series because it really makes a huge difference. I do appreciate the stylized duels of the past, but they, to some extent, are kind of choppy. Like, the movements are a little stiff. And in this fight, everything was so fluid. Like an actual lightsaber duel that you you're just watching, and it's like magic because you can just see how perfectly it's so perfectly choreographed, and yet it feels like a real gritty fight at the same time, and that's the perfect balance that I love when it comes to a lightsaber fight. I appreciate all of that work that goes into these elaborate moves and structuring the entire thing, but yet in the moment you feel the emotions coming from these characters and the stakes, and I was just like i was literally trying not to blink the whole time <laughs> because i didn't want to miss a single second of it it was just wonderful to watch and having ray come back was it just took it to the next level because you're not just watching like an animated model mall anymore like you could tell that it was Ray park like the right. physicality was there you could tell it in the body language it was incredible yeah it's It was unreal,
2: and I agree with you in terms of the old choppiness of of previous lightsaber battles. There was kind of, it kind of felt like a bunch of uh, quick chops and slashes put together in a way, you know? And almost Mm -hmm. sometimes the battles were too quick. Still great, you know? Every single battle that's come before is fantastic, like Maul versus uh, Sidious and, and Savage but this it just felt natural it felt human like it felt like i was watching live action it felt like something out of the ot even or the the sequel trilogy you know it wasn't too acrobatic it was just very primal with the drums beating you know and that was yeah. that was leading up to the initial fight those drums are <laughs> like speaking oh, of shit. primal
1: <laughs> speaking of primal brad uh Ahsoka and Maul circling each other, though. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a pair pair (laughs) of wolves on the hunt. (laughs) (laughs) And this is when,
2: you know, they're fighting, and Ahsoka says, you're lucky Anakin didn't show up. With the way you're fighting, you wouldn't have lasted long. And by the way, this is totally, (laughs) yeah, right? And this is totally, too, a meta commentary on the fact that that's Ray Park. You know, it's kind of like a funny (laughs) wink to the audience of, like, oh, this is how you're fighting? But it's actually like the OG Mall fighting. I just thought yeah. that, was, that was kind of uh, a funny nod. And he goes, oh, you have Kenobi's arrogance. <laughs> and she goes, you'll find I have many qualities for you to dislike, which obvious parallel to Luke telling Vader in Bespin City, you'll find out I'm full of surprises. So mm-hmm. I love that little parallel. I got really excited about those, those kinds of things
1: throughout these episodes. And that was just another one to add to the little Easter egg pile. I just thought it was funny that, like, even when Maul is fighting Ahsoka, he relates everything back to Kenobi. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: like, not like Kenobi's on his mind constantly, all the time, every minute <laughs> of the day.
1: And it's like, why is Maul talking about Kenobi's arrogance when he's the one who got cut in half because of his arrogance? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Maul! Gosh,
2: <laughs> that man cut off my legs. <laughs> <laughs> I will have revenge.
1: But yeah, that was great, and I loved that Ahsoka had that swagger in that scene. Like, she was not intimidated at all, and I thought it was great. Yeah.
2: We eventually get up into these these rafters above the city of Mandalore, which, by the way, is amazing. When I initially saw that promo, still, I didn't think they'd be, like, above the city. I thought they'd be, like, in a room together or something, or some sort of factory, but uh, no, lo and behold, they're literally really, really high up, and it's terrifying mm-hmm. uh, that they sur- both of them survived it, but you know this battle ultimately culminates with the capture of Maul and his one last plea to Ahsoka to join him or die, and we get this incredible scene of of the lightsabers falling and him uh, getting captured and stunned by the clones, and he's just pleading and saying, "No, you you don't know what you're doing," and it's like the classic dramatic irony as we as, as we as the audience are like, "No, listen to him," you know, like Please listen to listen. what he's <laughs> telling you guys, and it's just like oh again there it's like we don't listen to each other and that's the problem with everybody in the prequels is is uh no one in this world wants to help each other anymore (laughs) lack of communication right and secrecy you know is the biggest thing too it's just ah gosh but it's infuriating madison but speaking of lightsabers and and metaphors you had a a thought that you brought up on the last episode and uh do you want to talk more about that and how you saw it come to fruition this
1: episode oh my goodness yes (laughs) so yeah last week i mentioned that i was kind of looking at ahsoka's new lightsabers as a metaphor for anakin because he left his own mark on them they're no longer just something ahsoka created but they're also blue now which like is symbolic of anakin because obviously his lightsaber is blue he left his mark on her um so, I was not expecting that metaphor to come to fruition. Definitely not this soon. <laughs> and then when it happened, I, it was like a it was like a gut punch. Um, and I need to go back to the beginning of the fight because this was what made me even realize the connection here to this extent. Because at the beginning of the fight, when Maul lunges at Ahsoka, you hear a very interesting noise in the background. You hear. Sidious's very terrifying scream from episode 3 when he like spins through the air and attacks Mace Windu and the other Jedi in his office is terrifying. I
2: am the Senate.
1: Not yet. It's yeah, treason. and So, yeah. I'm sorry.
2: You just have to continue the lines when you hear it.
1: I know. It's a habit at this point. Um but I had an idea when I heard that on my second watch. It wasn't until my second watch that it like clicked, like what that sound was, and I was like, "Holy moly! I need to like check something." So I played the Maul and Ahsoka fight and the Sidious versus the Jedi fight side by side, and was floored. <laughs> Because they match up perfectly, not like shot for shot, but in terms of what is transpiring on screen, they they match up startlingly well to the point where when Ahsoka's uh, like bantering with Maul and she says, you're lucky Anakin didn't show up, it is the moment that Anakin lands and is like about to run into the Chancellor's office. (laughs) The irony there is insane. So it builds and builds, and the moment when Ahsoka's lightsabers are knocked out of her hands is right after Anakin cuts off Mace Windu's arm, and Palpatine is electrocuting Mace Windu and throws him out the window. Like, kid you not, no editing was required. The scenes played out at, at the perfect, uh, the same amount of time. It it just all matched up perfectly, and it was insane. And then it just keeps going. Like, no one can tell me this was not intentional because you keep going. And then at the same time that Maul is making his final offer to Ahsoka of join me, Sidious is making his offer to Anakin of come my apprentice. And Ah Ahsoka, of course, says never. But right after that, Anakin gives in. You know, I'll do whatever you ask. And it's just like, wow. Yeah. Like, the fact that those two scenes can just be put side by side, they're the same length and everything matches up so well in terms of narrative. And it's like a perfect mirror of like Ahsoka doing the opposite. Like Anakin is falling here and Ahsoka is rising as like an, an avatar of the light. And it's just poetry. It rhymes as yeah. George Lucas would say. Yeah.
2: It's, it really is brilliant. And even the the window breaking and, matches with the the chancellor's office window break it just all fits together so well and i think we'll we'll talk more about like the timeline of events as we preview the next episode here in just a a minute or two but when you when you sent that to me my mind was blown i had to like take a minute um i was in the parking garage at work and i had to like sit there before i drove home and just like decompress
1: (laughs) it's a lot like wow
2: (laughs) (laughs) oh boy (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really is that last touch of Anakin for Ahsoka is, the, is those sabers. And interestingly enough, I think they are changing what was previously the Battle of Mandalore in the Ahsoka novel because I don't believe that's how she lost those sabers unless she gets them back in the next episode, unless she goes and finds them. Well, I guess she does because she.
1: Oh, yeah. She does she find uses them. them.
2: She's got to have weapons for Order 66.
1: <laughs> that's right. I wonder how in the world a metal detector? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Imagine her and Rex walking around with those like things that you use on the beach to detect like ding, when ding, there's jewelry ding, ding, underneath. Ding, ding,
1: ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Found it. Wait, but no, she has mind. like a
2: force version of it where she just like puts her two fingers up to her temples and like holds out her hand and closes her eyes and um her hand beeps. I don't know. <laughs> it's like a uh, radar for her lightsabers. But yeah, I guess uh, <laughs> it just struck me now that those that's those aren't gone for good. But I do still think it Same. is symbolic. I still think your your theory fits. But yeah, the the final bit we see from Maul is him saying, you're all going to burn. We're all going to die. You don't know what you're doing. And that is just, I have never rooted for Maul more than I have in that one single moment. Right. And the way that, oh God, the way that Ahsoka holds him up with the force, and he goes, no, no, let me die. Oh my God. Like I'm having That's chills so talking about it right now. I've never been so like, I don't know, like, I was so emotionally affected by that scene of, like, she's showing compassion, but, like, she also doesn't know the implications of what she's doing at the same time, and it's, like, she's trying to be that compassionate person that she learned to be more of from the Martez sisters, but, like, Ahsoka, you also gotta listen to what he's saying, too, like, you And the uh...
1: fact that, to me, that shows how little Maul actually cares about the power plays. Like, it's it's all about his vengeance against Sidious, and outside of that, he he feels like his life is empty and is, he has no purpose, because it, he doesn't even care. He's just like, let me fall, let me die. And that just utterly broke me. I've never yeah. felt so much compassion and, like, sympathy from Maul in my life as, like, going through this arc. And Sam Witwer's performance was just stellar when he was screaming, you know, you're all going to burn, we're all going to die, you know, just that, like, raw desperation in his voice was gut-wrenching and not to make a horrible pun here but some people are going to burn more literally than others <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> I couldn't resist wow maybe maybe that's what maul was
2: saying in his vision
1: oh god I think he wouldn't have wanted to kill Anakin in that case he'd be like oh that's good that's good yes <laughs> oh
2: that's good stuff sips tea. <laughs> sips tea on his mandalorian throne watches it on his flat screen tv i just gotta say though i'm the biggest (laughs) sam witwer stan honestly like sam witwer listen if you're listening (laughs) to the last missions right now please for the love of god come on the show we have so many questions for you Yes. and listeners we are doing our best (laughs) we are are trying trying. (laughs) we have a great potential lineup of people that we are going to be interviewing on this show and he is one of the the people that we want to speak to very, very dearly. Like, oh God, I have so many questions, Madison.
1: I assume. Uh, what's Maz's line? Oh, I. I assume you need help desperately, or something like that. But <laughs> we desperately need an interview with him, But we're.
2: Please, <laughs> mercy, give us an interview. <laughs> that pretty much sums up most of this episode, though. I mean, we've we've reached the end, almost two hours later. I can't imagine what we're gonna. We're we're going upwards each episode. The finale Madison, is
1: going to be like four hours, Brad.
2: <laughs> which I I believe you and I are going to try to do a live show. If I'm correct, so if you're listening to the yes. last missions and you want to let us know, like in the Twitter post, what time you might think, or you know, just uh, if you're part of the Friends of the Forest Discord and you're in our Clone Wars spoiler chat, let me know what time you might want to do this in. Uh, but we would like to do that. It'd be kind of fun to to celebrate on May the fourth together.
1: Yeah, and we want as many people as possible to be able to tune in and participate. So, yeah, let us know like when you guys get to watch the episode and when would like work best for you guys to be able to tune into the live stream. Yeah, at the same time, Madison, a lot of us are home right now. So,
2: uh, might be the perfect time to do a live stream because people need entertainment now
1: more than ever. (laughs) Yes, they do. And people are going to have a lot of feelings after that finale. They're going to have a lot of questions. Yeah. And we will be here for them. (laughs) Yeah. You can
2: almost think of it as like a a fireside chat where we're going to help you cope through all the pain trains
1: there are. (laughs) A fireside cry. (laughs) (laughs) All aboard. All aboard. Would you, you want to do our pain train moment? Yeah, let's do
2: it. It's not in the show notes, but we're going to do it anyways because we forgot about it. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah, we keep forgetting because we just keep getting so caught up in how amazing <laughs> these episodes are. Oh, gosh. I, Madison, what's your pain train moment? Gosh, it's hard. There's a lot in this episode, and we've, we've talked about a lot of the heartbreaking moments, so I'll talk about one that we haven't yet, which is a very small moment. It was near the beginning, and Ahsoka is like, who's behind this? Who's doing this? When she first encounters Maul, and he says, Darth sidious but he like shudders when he says it it's almost like he's it almost feels like a child crying when the way he says it again masterful voice acting from sam whitworth but you can just hear the fear in maul's voice that even saying darth sidious and it broke my heart so there's my pain train moment for the week that is definitely uh
2: something that cuts deep i think for me i gotta go with maul too i think the very end of the episode you're all going to burn it's just one of those moments that like you're like, yeah, they got Maul. But then he starts talking. And you're like, oh, my God, no, let him go. And it's kind of yeah. that feeling of helplessness when um, you just know it can't be stopped. You know, the events are unfolding. And no matter what we try to think of, or <laughs> it's like it's going to happen, you know, like it's inevitable. And that kind of just cemented that for me. And to see that his plan, the reason he's so desperate in that moment is he didn't account for any of this happening. He was going to get on that ship. He tells the Mandalorian, die well. And he's going to bail, you know, and that doesn't happen. And it's like, now what do I do? Which Mm -hmm. now what do I do, Madison? Next week. Next week is the penultimate episode of the entire series. And (sighs) this episode is called Shattered. And if you are listening and you want as little spoilers as possible, I would maybe stop listening to the episode at this point. Cause I think we're going to kind of discuss the synopsis of this next episode and where we think the timeline is all fitting together. Um, I'm trying to be as cautious as possible and not like ruin anybody's experience, but we really are like curious as to what's going on with this next event. So, um, we're going to start talking about it now. Just a fair warning, Madison, what is the next week's synopsis for episode, uh, Episode 10 of Season 7.
1: After capturing Maul on Mandalore, Ahsoka's journey to the Jedi Council is disrupted when Order 66 is declared, turning her world upside down. (sighs) (sighs) (laughs) Everyone sighs around the world. (laughs) It's it's as as if a
2: million voices suddenly cried out in terror and were
1: silenced. If you listen closely, the, when this episode drops on Disney+, Plus, you will hear thousands of hearts shattering around the world <laughs> in unison. Oh, God. It's <laughs> no
2: one's ready. Nope. And I have to work that day, and this is unfortunate. It um, <laughs> <laughs> would be distraught. <laughs> so, oh, man. there's a couple moving parts here. First off, we know from the trailer for the season, and I I was thinking about this, there's a a, a still of Maul flinging a door at a bunch of clones shooting at him. And I noticed it was the inside of a Republic Star Cruiser, the same wall design and everything. And I was like, that's kind of curious. That's not the aesthetic of Mandalore. Now it makes sense. They're going to take Maul up to the ship with Ahsoka. They're going to go into hyperspace, and they're going to try to go back to the Jedi Council. and have Maul speak for himself. That's somehow going to get thwarted along the way because of order 66. And they're going to have to escape on a star cruiser full of clones. Oh man. They're going to have to link up together because they have no other option. They're the only two force users on that whole ship. And they also simultaneously Ahsoka needs to to rescue Rex from everything Mm -hmm. that's happening as well. Yeah, This is going to be one of the most intense episodes of the series as well. It's like we are truly getting peak Star Wars right now with this arc. It's like episode after episode is just proving to be incredible. And I can't imagine once this is finally declared next week, it's going to be crazy.
1: Yeah, I am dying to see a team up between Paul and Ahsoka in this episode. Um, it, because there's just going to be something so great about like the fact that First time he offered his hand, she rejected, and they ended up fighting. But I just really want to see them have to team up to survive. And we know, obviously, they're going to go their separate ways because in Rebels, when they cross paths again on Malachor, Maul's, like, running away again, Lady Tano. So that makes me theorize about, like, how this is going to go down. Um, And kind of the scenario I'm imagining is that, like, they're going to work together to survive. They're going to work together to escape, but Ahsoka's probably going to leave with Rex and Maul's going to be alone again. I'm like picturing them flying away in two separate escape pods. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's going to be sad for Maul because it's going to be like he tried again and failed to like find a partner. Right. <laughs> and she, she leaves. So it's going to be sad, but it I will be at least happy that Ahsoka and Rex are able to survive together. Cheryl, who's
2: a a listener of the show, she had a question about Rex's chip. She was asking if it was ever confirmed Mm -hmm. somewhere in the past that Rex took his chip out. Because right now my headcanon is Rex doesn't have his chip any longer, but I don't know if that's legit. And now Rex and Maul are together in that transport. So if Order 66 hits when Rex is with Maul, do you think Rex would save Maul, even though he probably hates him?
1: Hmm. Hmm. I feel like Rex doesn't have any kind of personal grudge against Maul. He's just doing his job. So I I feel like he would be way more open to like working with someone like Maul to survive as opposed to someone like Obi-Wan, for instance, where it's a lot more personal. Uh, I, I do still think that Rex has his chip, though, because I don't know when he would have taken it out in the past, and like during the Fives arc, he's... Still very much about like following the rules and stuff, and he doesn't listen to Fives when Fives is trying to warn him. Uh, I think he's very struck by what happens to Fives, and it emotionally is a blow to him. But I don't think he gets it at that point. I don't think he's listening to where he's like, "Hey, maybe I should check my head and like get <laughs> this thing taken out." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't, I don't think he's at that point. I think it's gonna be seeing Order Sixty Six. It's gonna make him go like, "Whoa, all right, yeah." take this thing out of me now right. and you see him slumped over in the trailer
2: as ahsoka's leaping on top of the hologram table and she's got her lightsabers yeah ignored, which i imagine as the doors are closing she's well one who's closing those doors for her and two i gotta imagine the clones are chasing her in that moment so with rex slumped over what? did he just get his chip taken out did his chip malfunction and that's why he doesn't go to order 66 did he have a malfunctioning chip
1: Okay, like here, yeah, I want to talk about this because there's like a million different ways this could happen with Rex. Um, I, I don't really see Ahsoka doing like some emergency medical procedure in the midst of all this, <laughs> so I, I don't know if they're going to be able to remove the chip yet. I'm wondering if he's going to attack Ahsoka and she like knocks him mm. out, like would that work? Like... How does how does Order 66 work? Because it's not like the clones are permanently in Order 66 mode, is it? Like, wouldn't it eventually wear off and they, like, revert to default? Like, I don't know if that makes any sense. But it, I wonder if, like, if she knocks out Rex and then he wakes up later, will he be out of that, like, killing Jedi zone? <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I would imagine it's permanent. It might initially be strong because there's so many Jedi... But obviously as the volume of Jedi decrease the the kind of the hunger to kill them also decreases although it's still there, you know. So I would I would imagine that yeah. that never goes away. The Jedi are always the enemy now, you know, and that's kind of popul- Palpatine's giant machination. But mm-hmm. I would assume that there might be a pretty emotional moment where she's got to take the chip out and she's like, "Stay with me, buddy," you know, like a Cara Dune and Mando moment. Uh, I imagine we'll get something like that where he is just off the deep end going good clones, follow orders or something. And he's like trying to kill Ahsoka and she's like pinning him down going like, no, I got to get this out of you. Brad, you're going to make me, you're going to make me cry, Brad. Stop." I'm telling you, we're going (laughs) to, we're, I, I, that's going to be like the heart of one of these episodes is how do they survive
1: with each other, you know? And like, they're all they have left essentially. But you know, it's going to make me cry more. Is the fact that while she's taking out his chip, Maul's gonna be holding off the other clones. Ooh,
2: <gasps> <laughs> he gives them the time
1: they need. Yeah, oh, ah.
2: that would be great. That would be interesting. We need him, Maul. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Lady Dono, if why you though? He's just a clone.
1: <laughs> Not to me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so. My, my next question that we want to pose is the Revenge of the Sith timeline is heavily debated. My thinking is if we follow your, your theory that the fight with Maul is happening while Mace Windu is getting his, his arm chopped off, Anakin becomes Darth Vader at that moment, and we declare Order 66. But who's to say how long it takes Anakin to get to the Jedi Temple, you know? It could be mm-hmm. another 30 minutes to an hour from the Chancellor's office to rally the troops together. So the question is, if the synopsis of this episode is saying Order 66, I got to imagine that's not a spoiler if they're openly putting it out there so it's going to be the main part of the episode, right? So it's probably going to happen right away. And if it happens right away and these episodes are sequentially happening, like literally the moment that the one before ends, as we've seen, I got to imagine Order 66 maybe is happening, you know, within the next five minutes of of this arc, you know? So it's got to be pretty soon after they jump to hyperspace, which maybe it doesn't exactly take place during what what you thought with the the two scenes, but I would say they're within at least a half hour of each other, honestly. I don't think there's an entire day worth of events that unfold. I think we're now in the day that this is all happening, and that's why the Siege of Mandalore is such a pinnacle event is because it's happening simultaneously with all these other events like the defeat of general grievous and the fall of anakin skywalker
1: yeah like a a lot of people are still thinking there's a whole nother day to go and i'm like i I don't think that matches up with the timeline Mm -hmm. because they would be back on coruscant like ahsoka would be standing in front of the council in less than a day yeah so it just doesn't match up to me like that this is still a day before Anakin's fall. It's still a day before Order 66. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah, definitely. And maybe, maybe they like delay for a day before they leave with Maul for some reason because like Rex and Ahsoka spend like 10 hours looking for her lightsabers or something. But <laughs> I, I don't know. Where are they? <laughs> I'm hoping we. I'm hoping it, I mean, I'm sure it will become clear next episode, like, how all that matched up in the timeline. What if, what if, <laughs>
2: what if Maz oh, no, shows up with the lightsabers and she gives them the Ahsoka <laughs> and Ahsoka goes, like, where'd you find those? And she goes, good question, for another time,
1: and then leaves. <laughs> oh my God. She's like, who's that lady? Oh my goodness. Does speaking of, of lightsabers, did is Ahsoka still holding Maul's lightsaber at that point, like when he's captured? Um, because she like re- she wrestles it from him, right? Yes, and then like cuts. I didn't off see the, the rest
2: of that. I don't think I saw it. I'll have to rewatch it. Oh, another interesting note again. that somebody pointed out on Twitter too with Maul's saber. I guess half of it is his, is his OG saber that was cut in half mm-hmm. by Obi Wan. The other half is Asaj Asaj Ventress's saber. Yes. So that's an interesting Well
1: not uh, not like her original red ones, but like a new one that she was supposed to have used at the time of Dark Disciple. Dark Disciple,
2: yeah. So that's, a, yes. that's interesting. I don't want to get too heavily into Dark Disciple spoilers, so we'll just keep that yeah, interesting tidbit there. Um yeah, I I my guess is that these happen this this is all happening relatively at the same exact time um Obi-Wan's about to go to Utapau and defeat Grievous and that's that's all happens within a day. But again, like we said, we could be wrong. Um, that's just my best guess, but who knows? We'll f- we'll definitely find out depending on how the next episode starts and when Order 66 happens in this next episode that will I think finally give us a clear picture of the Revenge of the Sith timeline.
1: Definitely. So,
2: well with that being said, Madison, we have come to the end of the road 2 hours later. And it is time to (laughs) give our listeners ears a rest from our lovely and amazing voices and our terrible jokes, but ones that I truly love bad puns. Yep. And, uh, that's, that's it. We're going to see you all next week for the next episode and, uh, another episode, a couple of days after that. So you're going to get a lot of last missions coming up. And again, we are planning some interviews. Speaking of which, if you haven't listened to our interview with, composer Kevin kiner who does all the music for the Clone Wars go check that out on either one of our feeds and uh just another shout out to to the the maestro himself he's absolutely killing it this is the best music he's ever written and it has been truly uh something that makes these episodes what they are and it, it really wouldn't be the same without the uh without his compositions playing a role.
1: Yeah, so, I second that. Yeah. Also I just realized, Brad, that like once next week's episode gets here, we don't have to wait a week before part four. Like that just hit me that it's only like a few days. but that means we also have less time to recover. Yeah,
2: (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) It's going to be brutal. And uh, lastly here, too, if you're new to last missions, Madison and I did previously host a podcast series called Bounties and Blasters where we covered the Mandalorian. So we are going to be launching that again on the, the week of May the 4th. We won't be launching it that exact day. The docu series comes out, but we're going to be covering the new uh, Mandalorian behind the scenes making of each and every week and talking about, you know, the roundtable discussions that they're having. Now, if you want to get access to this series, you will have to join either the Friends of the Force or doing Talking Pod Patreons as this series will be a Patreon exclusive. So hopefully some of y'all will check that out over on our Patreons. We're hoping to have you. But uh, overall, Madison, I'm I'm pretty excited about this. Same, always up for more of that delicious behind the scenes content. <laughs> <laughs> so, Madison, where can our listeners find Doing Talking and yourself?
1: You can find me on doingtalking.com. That's my podcast home. You can also listen on Spreaker, iTunes, and YouTube. My channel is Maddie Solo. And you can also keep up with the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Doing Talking Pod. And you can also follow my personal account at Madison underscore Thames on Twitter. And as for
2: the Friends of the Force podcast, you can find us at Friends Twitter, and Instagram at Friends of Force and Friends of the Force. And you can also consider joining our Patreon at Patreon.com slash Friends And we are a part of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network, which aims at promoting positivity in the Star Wars fandom. So that is all for this week, Madison. I'm going to go rewatch this episode probably another 20 times from now until next Friday. Same.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you know what time it is, Brad? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Begun Order 66 has.